Welcome everyone to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of the Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our very dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. There you'll also see an option to subscribe for a daily email with both our text reading and the lesson for the day from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lee Flynn. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.45 a.m. Eastern. Today we conclude Chapter 20, The Promise of the Resurrection, with Section 9, The Vision of Sinlessness. We're also mindful of uh, today's lesson 234. Father, today I am your son again. Lori, what have you selected to start our week off with this morning? Really glad you asked this. Um, because I really love Helen Shuckman's poem in her book, The Gifts of Grace, or The Gifts of God called Christ's vision. Let not the past obscure the now to you, for thus you waken happily with joy upon your heart and eyes to see a world awaiting to be seen aright at last. How beautiful the newly born, for they reflect their father's love, their brother's care, the happiness of heaven, and the peace that is their true inheritance. It is on them you look. They have no past today. All darkness vanishes, and heaven's smile presents a world from which the past is gone, and present happiness ends all despair and shining silence and simplicity. Father, today I am your son again. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, dear Helen. Perfect, perfect match. Thanks, Thanks, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Oh, my privilege. Thank you, guys. Okay, everyone with us in reading this morning. So far, we have Lemoyne, Fran, Lori, Yvonne, Patricia, Jessica, and Lana. With us in listening, we have Ida and Robin Marie. Who else has joined us that would like to read or just say good morning? Good morning. It's Karen. I can read. Morning, Karen. Thanks. Great. Anyone else? Okay. Concluding then Chapter 20, The Promise of the Resurrection, with Section 9, The Vision of Sinlessness. Vision will come to you at first in glimpses. They will be enough to show you what is given you who see your, your brother sinless. Truth is restored to you through your desire, as it was lost to you through your desire for something else. Open the holy place which you closed off by valuing the something else 
and what was never lost will quietly return. It has been saved for you. Vision would not be necessary had judgment not been made. Desire now its whole undoing, and it is done for you. Lemoyne. Chapter 20, The Promise of the Resurrection. Section 9, The Vision of Sinlessness. Vision will come to you at first in glimpses, but they will be enough to show you what is given you who see your brother sinless. Truth is restored to you through your desire, as it was lost to you through your desire for something else. Open the holy place which you closed off by valuing the something else, and what was never lost will quietly return. It has been saved for you. Vision would not be necessary had judgment not been made. Desire now its whole undoing, and it is done for you. Do you not want to know your own identity? Would you not happily exchange your doubts for certainty? Would you not willingly be free of misery and learn again of joy? The whole, your holy relationship offers all this to you. As it was given you, so will be its effect. And as its holy purpose was not made by you, The means by which its happy end is yours is also not of you. Rejoice in in what is yours but for the asking. And think not that you made either... (laughs) Okay, we'll stumble this morning. Rejoice in what is yours but for the asking. And think not that you need make either means or end. All this is given you who would but see your brother's sinless. All this is given waiting on your desire but to receive it. Vision is freely given to those who ask to see. Thank you, Lemoyne. Fran? 68. Do you not want to know your own identity? Would you not happily exchange your doubts for certainty? Would you not willingly be free of misery and learn again of joy? Your holy relationship offers all this to you. As it was given you, so will be its effects. And as its holy purpose was not made by you, the means by which its happy end is yours is also not of you. Rejoice in what is yours, but for the asking, and think not that you need make either means or end. All this is given you who would but see your brother sinless. All this is given, waiting on your desire but to receive it. Vision is freely given to those who ask to see. 69. Your brother's sinlessness is given you in shining light to look on with the Holy Spirit's vision and to rejoice in along with him. For peace will come to all who ask for it with real desire and sincerity of purpose shared with the Holy Spirit 
and at one with him on what salvation is. Be willing, then, to see your brother sinless, that Christ may rise before your vision and give you joy, and place no value on your brother's body, which holds him to illusions of what he is. It is his desire to see his sinlessness as it is yours. And bless the Son of God in your relationship, nor see in him what you have made of him. Thank you, Fran. Lori? Your brother's sinlessness is given you a shining light to look on with the Holy Spirit's vision and to rejoice in along with him. For peace will come to all who ask for it with real desire and sincerity of purpose shared with the Holy Spirit and at one with him on what salvation is. Be willing then to see your brother sinless that Christ may rise before your vision and give you joy and place no value on your brother's body which holds him to illusions of what he is. It is his desire to see his sinlessness as it is yours and bless the Son of God in your relationship nor see in him what you have made of him. 70. The Holy Spirit guarantees that what God willed and gave you shall be yours. This is your purpose now, and the vision that makes it yours is ready to be given. You have the vision which enables each one to see the body not, and as you look upon each other, you will see an altar to your Father, holy as heaven, glowing with radiant purity and sparkling with the shining lilies you laid upon it. What can you value more than this? Why do you think the body is a better home, a safer shelter for God's Son? And why would you rather look on it than the truth? How can the engine of destruction be preferred and chosen to replace the holy home the Spirit offers, the Holy Spirit offers, where He will dwell with you? Thank you, Lori. Yvonne. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Lee. The Holy Spirit guarantees that what God willed and gave you shall be yours. This is your purpose now, and the vision that makes it yours is ready to be given. You have the vision which enables each one to see the body now. And as you look upon each other, you will see an altar to your Father, holy as heaven, glowing with radiant purity and sparkling with the shining lilies you laid upon it. What can you value more than this? <clears throat> Excuse me. Why do you think the body is a better home, a safer shelter for God's son? Why would you rather look on it than on the truth? How can the engine of destruction be preferred and chosen to replace the holy home the Holy Spirit offers, where he dwells with you. The body is the sign of weakness, vulnerability, and loss of power. Can such a Savior help you? Would you turn in your distress and need for help unto the, unto the helpless? Is the pitifully little 
the perfect choice to call upon for strength? Judgment will seem to make your Savior weak, yet it is you who need his strength. There is no problem, no event or situation, no perplexity that vision will not solve. All is redeemed when looked upon with vision. For this is not your sight and brings with it the laws beloved of him whose sight it is. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. Patricia. Seventy-one. The body is the sign of weakness, vulnerability, and loss of power. Can such a Savior help you? Would you turn in your distress and need for help unto the helpless? Is the pitifully little the perfect choice to call upon for strength? Judgment will seem to make your Savior weak. Yet it is you who need his strength. There is no problem, no event or situation, no perplexity that vision, vision will not solve. All is redeemed when looked upon with vision. For this is not your sight and brings with it the love, beloved of him whose sight it is. 72. Everything looked upon with vision falls gently into place according to the laws brought to it by his calm and certain sight. The end for everything he looks upon is always sure. For it will meet his purpose seen in unadjusted form and suited perfectly to meet it. Destructiveness becomes denied, and sin is turned to blessing under his gentle gaze. What can the body's eyes perceive with power to correct? Its eyes adjust to sin, unable to overlook it in any form and seeing it everywhere in everything. Look through its eyes, and everything will stand condemned before you. All that could save you, you will never see. Your holy relationship, the source of 
your salvation will be deprived of meaning and its most holy purpose bereft of means for its accomplishment. Thank you, Patricia. Jessica? Thanks, Lee. Um, 72. Everything looked upon with vision falls gently into place according to the laws brought to it by his calm and certain sight. The end for everything he looks upon is always sure, for it will meet his purpose, being in in unadjusted form and suited perfectly to meet it. Destructiveness becomes benign, and sin is turned into blessing under his gentle gaze. What can the body's eyes perceive with power to correct? Its eyes adjust to sin, unable to overlook it in any form and seeing it everywhere, in everything. Look through its eyes, and everything will stand condemned before you. All that could save you, you will never see. Your holy relationship, the source of your salvation, will be deprived of meaning, and its most holy purpose bereft of means for its accomplishment. 73. Judgment is but a toy, a whim, the senseless means to play the idle game of death in your imagination. But vision sets all things right, bringing them gently within the kindly sway of heaven's laws. What if you recognize this world is a hallucination? What if you really understood you made it up? What if you realize that those who seem to walk about in it, to sin and die, attack and murder and destroy themselves, are wholly unreal? Could you have faith in what you see if you accepted this? And would you see it? Thank you, Jessica. Lana. Okay, uh, 73. Judgment is but a toy, a whim, the senseless means to play the idle game of death in your imagination. But vision sets all things right bringing them gently within the kindly sway of heaven's laws. What if you recognize this world is an hallucination? What if you really understood you made it up? What if you realize that those who seem to walk about in it to sin and die, attack and murder and destroy themselves, are wholly unreal. 
Could you have faith in what you see if you accepted this? And would you see it? 74. Excuse me. Hallucinations. I'm sorry. Hallucinations disappear when they are recognized for what they are. This is the healing and the remedy. Leave them not and they are gone. And all you need to do is recognize you did this. Once you accept the simple fact and take unto yourself the power you gave them, you are released from them. One thing is sure. Hallucinations serve a purpose. And when that purpose is no longer held, they disappear. Therefore, the question never is whether you want, want them, but always, do you want the purpose which they serve? This world seems to hold out many purposes, each different and with different values. Yet they are all the same. Again, there is no order but a seeming hierarchy of values. Thank you, Lana. Karen? Seventy-four. Hallucinations disappear when they are recognized for what they are. This is the healing and the remedy. Believe them not and they are gone. And all you need to do is recognize you did this. Once you accept this simple fact and take unto yourself the power you gave them, you are released from them. One thing is sure, hallucinations serve a purpose. And when that purpose is no longer held, they disappear. Therefore, the question never is whether you want them, but always, do you want the purpose which they serve? This world seems to hold out many purposes, each different and with different values. Yet they are all the same. Again, there is no order but a seeming hierarchy of values. 75. Only two purposes are possible, and one is sin, the other holiness. Nothing is in between, and which you choose determines what you see. For what you see is merely how you elect to meet your goal. Hallucinations serve to meet the goal of madness. They are the means by which the outside world projected from within adjusts to sin and seems to witness to its reality. It still is true that nothing is without, yet upon nothing are all projections made, for it is the projection which gives the nothing all the meaning that it holds. Thank you, Karen. Do we have a new reader for 75 and 6?
Oh, I'll do it. It's Micah. Uh, 75. Morning, Micah. Thanks. Sure. Only two purposes are possible, and one is sin and the other holiness. Nothing is in between, and which you choose determines what you see. What you see is merely how you elect to meet your goal. Hallucinations serve to meet the goal of madness. They are the means by which the outside world, projected from within, adjusts to sin and seems to witness to its reality. It still is true that nothing is without, yet upon nothing are all projections made. For it is the projection which gives the, quote, nothing, unquote, all the meaning that it holds. 76. What has no meaning cannot be perceived. And meaning always looks within to find itself and then looks out. All meaning that you give the world outside must thus reflect the sight you saw within. Or better, if you saw at all, or merely judged against. Vision is the means by which the Holy Spirit translates your nightmares into happy dreams, your wild hallucinations that show you all the fearful outcomes of imagined sin, sin into the calm and reassuring sights with which he would replace them. <clears throat> These gentle sights and sounds are looked on happily and heard with joy. They are his substitutes for all the terrifying sights and screaming sounds the ego's purpose brought to your horrified awareness. They step away from sin, reminding you that it is not reality which frightens you and that the errors which you made can be corrected. Thank you, Micah. Do we have another new reader for 76 and 7? Okay, back to you, Lemoyne. Are you on mute, Lemoyne? Sorry, I was. <laughs> okay. What ha- what has no meaning cannot be perceived, and meaning always looks within to find itself, and then looks out. All meaning that you give the world outside must thus reflect the sight you saw within, or better, if you saw it all, or merely judged against. Vision is the means by which the Holy Spirit translates your nightmares into happy dreams. Your wild hallucinations that show you all the fearful outcomes of imagined sin 
into the calm and reassuring sights with which he would replace them. These gentle sights and sounds are looked on happily and heard with joy. They are his substitutes for all the terrifying sights and screaming sounds the ego's purpose brought to your horrified awareness. They step away from sin, reminding you that it is not reality which frightens you and that the errors which you made can be corrected. When you have looked on what seemed terrifying and seen it change to sights of loveliness and peace, when you have looked on scenes of violence and death and watched them change to quiet views of gardens under open skies with clear, life-giving water running happily beside them and dancing brooks that never waste away, who need persuade you to accept the gift of vision? And after vision, who is there who could refuse what, what must come after? Think but an instant just on this. You can behold the holiness God gave his son. And never need you think that there is something else for you to see. Thank you, Lemoyne. Do we have a new reader who would enjoy concluding with 77? Okay, Fran. 77. When you have looked on what seemed terrifying and seen it change to sights of loveliness and peace, when you have looked on scenes of violence and death and watched them change to quiet views of gardens under open skies with clear, life-giving water running happily beside them and dancing brooks that never waste away, who need persuade you to accept the gift of vision? And after vision... Who is there who could refuse what must come after? Think but an instant, just on this. You can behold the holiness God gave his son, and never need you think that there is something else for you to see. Thank you, Fran. To recap then, this conclusion of the very beautiful chapter 20, The Promise of the Resurrection, Section 9, The Vision of Sinlessness. Vision will come to you at first in glimpses. They will be enough to show you what is given you who see your brother sinless. Truth is restored to you through your desire as it was lost to you through your desire for something else. Open the holy place which you closed off by valuing the something else and what was never lost will quietly return. It has been saved for you. Vision would not be necessary had judgment not been made. Desire now its whole undoing, and it is done for you. 68. Do you not want to know your own identity? Do you not happily exchange your doubts for certainty? Would you not willingly be free of misery, and learn again of joy. Your holy relationship offers all this to you. 
Vision is freely given to those who ask to see. 69, peace will come to all who ask for it with real desire. Be willing then to see your brother sinless, that Christ may rise before your vision and give you joy. From 70, you have the vision which enables each one to see the body not. And as you look upon each other, you will see an altar to your Father, holy as heaven, glowing with radiant purity and sparkling with the shining lilies you laid upon it. From 71, there is no problem, no event or situation, no perplexity that vision will not solve. All is redeemed when looked upon with vision. For this is not your sight and brings with it the laws beloved of him whose sight it is. 72. Everything looked upon with vision falls gently into place according to the laws brought to it by Holy Spirit's calm and certain sight. Destructiveness becomes benign and sin is turned to blessing under his gentle gaze. From 73, vision sets all things right, bringing them gently within the kindly sway of heaven's laws. What if you recognize this world isn't a hallucination? From 74, hallucinations serve a purpose, and when that purpose is no longer held, they disappear. Therefore, the question never is whether you want them, but always, do you want the purpose which they serve? From 75, only two purposes are possible. And one is sin, the other holiness. Nothing is in between in which you choose determines what you see. For what you see is merely how you elect to meet your goal. From 76, meaning always looks within to find itself and then looks out. All meaning that you give the world outside must thus reflect the sight you saw within, or better, if you saw at all, or merely judged against. Vision is the means by which Holy Spirit translates your nightmares into happy dreams, your wild hallucinations that show you all the fearful outcomes of imagined sin into the calm and reassuring sights with which he would replace them. These gentle sights and sounds are looked on happily and heard with joy. And finally, when you have looked on what seemed terrifying and seen it change to sights of loveliness and peace, when you have looked on scenes of violence and death and watched them change to quiet views of gardens under open skies with clear life-giving water running happily beside them and dancing brooks that never waste away, who need persuade you to accept the gift of vision. And after vision, who is there who could refuse 
but must come after. Think but an instant just on this. You can behold the holiness God gave his son and never need you think that there is something else for you to see. Amen. The floor is open. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Amen. Thank you, Lee. Oh, thank you, Lee. Yes. Thank you, Lee. What a rousing conclusion to a chapter, huh? Hi, it's Lana. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, this section uh, just reminds me again that um, it's not so much what I'm seeing as it is how I'm seeing it and the purpose and the relationship I have with it. And um, when I do my little exercise of returning my mind to God, um, and I sit still in the present moment and notice what I'm aware of being aware of, <laughs> you know, it, get, it really simplifies. It makes, gives me a clear picture. You know, I may be aware of sounds outside the room or outside the window. I may be aware of my breathing in and out. I may be aware of pressure points of my body on the chair. It's um, very simple in that um, it doesn't contain any judgments about them. It just notices them. And in that stillness, when I'm not engaging in judgments of what I see, what it is, or uh, when the thinking mind becomes still, there's an opportunity for light to enter and uh, I'll see through the eyes of God. Because in truth, uh, if I remember that I'm a thought in the mind of God, I'm an idea in the mind of God, how can it be possible for me to see anything other than what I see with God? So anything I add to the mix of this pure awareness of being, um, I'm just... Um, destroying the perfect recipe that God has for my peace and happiness. I'm trying to improve on perfection, or I'm trying to alter or adjust reality. And, it, you know, it's it's not good or bad. It's just um, a waste of time, and, it's a, and it delays my mind from returning to peace. And, and remembering that I am as God created me. I'm a thought in his mind. I only have his thoughts, um, and I only see what he sees. And whenever uh, there's um, disharmony, or I'm not in sync with that, I'm, I'm creating hallucinations. I'm seeing what isn't there. I'm believing in something that isn't real. Uh, anything that moves my awareness or adds to my awareness other than the perfect love and peace of God, I'm doing to myself. 
I'm choosing to adjust my reality in God. And that's very, and that can be very disruptive. And it can hold me in pain for an unnecessary interval of time. Um, so uh, vision is a word I'll carry with me today. And remember that in order to see, uh, my mind has to be aligned with God's. Because that is how I see. Um, I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Beautifully stated. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. Yeah. Really, really clear. Thank you. Thank you. Patricia here this morning. Um, Having read chapter 72, um, of course, by no accident, feeling the vibration to my body of uh, the power of these words, I relived an experience, so if I could make it a short example of how I experienced chapter 20, chapter, uh, uh, paragraph 72, um, that reading, that paragraph, uh, I don't know how many years ago, but a major turning point in my life where he, I was doing the Course in Miracles, I think around uh, um, maybe 14 years around then. So uh, here's the episode uh, with this guidance of his calm his calm being my guidance for what, uh, where my attention would go at that moment. So I experienced a very severe fall. And as I landed, I'm, um, out, I'm at a, a property uh, by myself uh, in the country alone, and I'm on the ground. And everything is in pain. The ankles twisted, both of them. And then there was a fall and part of my body bones hit to brace. So the bones, everything hurt. So I laid there now, laying there in a body that has no eyes to really correctly perceive what's going on. And the guidance of this curriculum just shot through me. And here's how it translated, you guys. The end of everything. He looks upon is always true. That's what happened. And there was nowhere I could go that I could breathe. So I was on my back. I could see the sky above, screaming pain everywhere I thought about in my body, so I searched for calm. Where could I find it? Not in the feet. Did I have one foot available to stand? No. Did I have a hand? No. What did I have? And this is the truth. I had my left cheek. I'm telling you, like a little circle within that soft, gooey tissue of the left side of my face, there was calm. And I focused right there, you guys. 
I breathed into the left, soft, empty place, literally the only empty place in my cheek. And the gift of this curriculum was this personality laying there that knew the only way was to let every reality end always for certain, as this paragraph says, and repurpose this moment. And so I breathed in and out of that cheek. Now, nobody has written anywhere that that's going to save anybody. (laughs) You guys, I'm alive. And what people watched happen from that moment I breathed in and out of that cheek until there was a a shot of light and it's the tickle that gets me to giggle and I love we giggling there. It shot down the left most serious side of my body and let me know my left ankle could possibly work. And it was just a, a ripple of a tickle. I stayed with the left cheek. I didn't make this about anything other than being what is calm. And all of a sudden, my left side could guide something, and the cheek and the left side of my body got me on my knees. Now, I'm out in the country, and I'm away from the house. I crawled. My left cheek and my left side and the earth and finding calm and only calm if God was watching he would say yes she crawled across the field and up upon the deck and all the way in the house and up the stairs and into her bed and there was a phone there and I began the next Phase of what took a long time to keep following calm and knowing the purpose, not in control of the physical world and not even here to fight it. Anytime there's an approach to solve it as a problem, I stop and repurpose and find calm. And so many doctors call these views uh, of my physical body a total miracle. So that's it, honey. Thank you. Marvelous. Yes, marvelous. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you. Beautiful. And we're at the top of the hour. That was just so wonderful. Thanks, Patricia. We're at the top of the hour, and we take a moment to uh, pause and go over our lesson for the day. And uh, Fran is prepared to once again guide us through with gratitude. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook, and the theme that we're on is, What is Salvation? Uh, Today, we're on Lesson 234, Father, Today I Am Your Son Again. So I shall read some from What is Salvation? 
Salvation is a promise made by God that you would find your way to him at last. It cannot but be kept. It guarantees that time will have an end and all the thoughts that have been born in time will end as well. God's word has given every mind which thinks that it has separate thoughts and will replace these thoughts of conflict with the thought of peace. The thought of peace was given to God's son the instant that his mind had thought of war. There was no need for such a thought before, for peace was given without opposite and merely was. But when the mind is split, there is a need of healing. Salvation is undoing in the sense that it does nothing, failing to support the world of dreams and malice. Thus it lets illusions go. By not supporting them, it merely lets them quietly go down to dust. And what they hid is now revealed, an altar to the holy name of God, whereon his word is written. Let us come daily to this holy place and spend a while together. Here we share our final dream. It is a dream in which there is no sorrow, for it holds a hint of all the glory given us by God. <clears throat> Earth is being born again in new perception. Night has gone, and we have come together in the light. From here, we give salvation to the world. For it is here salvation was received. The song of our rejoicing is the call to all the world that freedom is returned, that time is almost over, and God's Son has but an instant more to wait until his Father is remembered. Dreams are done. Eternity has shined away the world. And only heaven now exists at all. <coughs> so now we'll go over to lesson 234. <clears throat> Father, today I am your son again. Today we will anticipate the time when dreams of sin and guilt are gone. And we have reached again the holy peace we never left. Merely a tiny instant has elapsed between eternity and timelessness. So brief the interval, there was no lapse in continuity, no break in thoughts which are forever unified as one. Nothing has ever happened to disturb the peace of God the Father and the Son. This we accept as wholly true today. We thank you, Father, that we cannot lose the memory of you and of your love. We recognize our safety and give thanks for all the gifts you have bestowed on us for all the loving help we have received, for your eternal patience and the word which you have given us that we are saved. And take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 234. Father, today I am your son again.
We thank you, Father, that we cannot lose the memory of you and of your love. Lesson 234. Father, today I am your son again. Amen. Boy, that was nice. Thank you, friend. Oh, thank you. Thank you, friend, so much. Thank you, friend, for sure. Thanks, guys. Thank you, friend. Morning, everyone. It's Lee. In this lesson title, I read again of that uh, marriage of two facets of the um, of what he promises as the restoration to my awareness of that which I've forgotten, both the memory of my identity and the memory of God and His identity and how those two are married in the sense that I can't remember what I am without immediately coming to the knowledge of my relationship with my Creator. In other words, from that moment of memory comes to me the reinstatement of my awareness of my Creator's presence, His nature, and His relationship to my being. They come as a single movement. So today... Father, I am your son again, means today I remember my identity and I remember yours. As he says in the first line of today's prayer from Lesson 234, we thank you, Father, that we cannot lose the memory of you and of your love. That's that same memory, the memory of my identity. It's a beautiful thing, and it's what he speaks of in um, what is salvation as well. The whole idea that salvation assures that everything I can possibly have misunderstood through my forgetfulness, everything I've misunderstood can be overtaken and corrected when what I forgot is restored to my memory. It's just that immediate. And that's his promise. That's what salvation promises. It's a promise made by God that I would find my way to him at last. What is that, you guys? But the simplicity of saying, I've forgotten something very central to my being. And in the promise of the memory of what I've forgotten, is the, mem- is the promise that I would be reinstated to the memory of uh, and reinstated and delivered back to um, finding my way to God. Salvation, a promise made by God that I would find my way to him at last. It cannot but be kept. There is a comfort in knowing 
that the way creation is designed by my father involves, because of my free will, both my ability to choose away from him and creation's design is such that um, no one that chooses away from him can but be restored to the memory of him before this episode ends. That's how my father ensures that his son, having taken um, flights of fancy and choosing away from the memory of one's own identity and that relationship with father in which all of creation makes perfect sense and is uh, understood through this capacity and the gift of vision as we read about it in today's section. It's the assurance that everyone that chooses away from the awareness of all that's true will find his way back to the memory of what he had forgotten in those flights of fancy. That's the assurance that creation um, allows for every heart that ventured away from uh, the gentle assurance of the truth to find its way back to that full understanding, both that the truth was never violated in the forgetting, had never been violated, innocence never um, blemished, nothing one imagines true had ever been so that merited shame or guilt or condemnation that creation had always um, moved um, from one moment to the next within the holy innocence that never can be impacted, there never being anyone, God or any one of us, in the light of vision and understanding who could stand in judgment of any moment of creation. You see what that does? It's like like, um, this... Um, assurance that a movement away from the truth is always answered by the restoration of the truth before any one of us passes from this life. That's the guarantee of salvation to me. That's his guarantee. He moved away. The answer was given and the, the answer that is eternal peace was given in the moment that I thought of peace's opposite. The moment I thought of what he calls conflict or war. The answer of peace was given that stands um, beyond the ability of any fancy or flight of fancy of mind of conflict um, to stand corrected. And you guys, this vision of sinlessness is an introduction in the strongest terms to the power of vision to set all things right. It's the power of vision that makes me understand there is that which true um, true and accurate understanding could bring to me um, of a sense that all things are united, and that nothing is out of accord with a harmonious unfolding of creation in every moment. 
nothing out of accord with a perfect unfolding. Accurate or true sight or vision is so married to peace and truth and faith and understanding that there's no place for me to go to stand opposed to the unfolding of anything in my heart. It's a it's an ability to accept all things as they unfold. That's the explanation for him to say, when you've seen sights of terror, um, translated into sights of bubbling brooks and peace, what he's describing to me is there's an order of understanding that lights my sight with vision and it sets my heart at peace so that no matter what I see on the, on the worldly plane, the plane of surface appearance and how the ego might have judged those events and circumstances, the heart is so much at peace in the security and, uh, and the extent of its faith and its reassurance that all is well and that all things are well and that all are eventually lifted beyond any terror or suffering they experience by this gift of salvation and understanding that is guaranteed to come to all of us, the heart is so assured of that final deliverance from all terror and wounding that one does not stand opposed to what unfolds in creation before you. That's his promise to me, that there is that degree of peace that my heart can be led to through this quality of vision that makes all things right without my having to stand in judgment of creation as it unfolds in front of me. What a blessed gift. What an extraordinary gift to know that this that he calls vision is something that can counter the ego's sight by which it stands, as he says in this section, in condemnation of all things. How does that happen? Would it make me a heartless being? These are questions. These are questions that the ego within me and its misunderstanding asks and ponders. And they're great questions. They're inquiries. And the answer to those inquiries is embedded in every page of this very lengthy curriculum. It answers all of those questions. How is peace possible in a world where such terror abides? I turn to that part of the course and I attend to his answer. There's a place in me that can be so right with all things that the question then becomes how is it possible that peace not abide anywhere the heart is directed to look on things with the faculty of love lifting its understanding to allow for, um, for love undergirding all things, the Father's love supporting all movements, nothing standing outside his love, and everything made right in the vision his love accords um, all that I look upon and all who look upon with that love. Um, 
Oh boy, I guess I'm complete. Thanks, everybody. Oh, thank you, Liz. That was wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Beautiful discourse. Thank you. Thanks, Lee. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thanks, everyone. That was great. Thanks, Lee. Thank you. I'd like to follow with one um, other thought. It's in reference to this word hallucination. I would just like for you guys to consider if there is something that he persuades me is called vision, and if vision just in my, as I wrestle with it, if I think of vision as accurate perception, once I allow for the possibility of accurate perception, I can make the allowance for really badly inaccurate perception. The consequence of really severely inaccurate perception is that what I think I see is so distant from what vision would reveal to me that what I've seized upon and share with others who are similarly inaccurate in their vision becomes an order of hallucination that isn't founded in the truth of anything, but is distant from the truth in a compelling way that makes me think that this mistaken version of things is reality. His word for all that is that I'm entertaining an hallucination. What if I understood that everything of the world as the ego directs me see it is a hallucination and that those who walk about in that version of the world who seem to suffer and die are also not there in the way that I see them. What if everything could be released from that order of hallucination and revealed in the light of all that's genuinely happening from moment to moment? That's the significant promise that nothing short of the word salvation applies to or describes. I'm complete. Thanks for letting me add that little. Great addition. Thank you, Lee. Yes, thank you, Lee. Uh, Thank you, Lee. Hey, this is Patricia. I hope it's okay, but Lee, your share inspired me uh, to a poem that I wrote back around after that healing in that story I shared. It's called To Leave Blame Behind, and it felt like you singing to me, bringing this poem back alive from all those years it popped up on my computer here. So here we go. To leave blame behind. Hearts tremble to do this task. Praise truth bravely spoken to fully own the path I walk. Open the gate of freedom. To leave blame behind 
unending need to defend or define. Why this baby giggles, why that baby bites. Shadows welcome the dark of night. Light the day guiding my way, worthy of this life. Oh, meet me, meet me eye to eye, 100% worthy. In order, worthy in order, before each other, awake with every season in me. One part of me plays lost as I try to do right, saying and staying in the lines, keeping things straight and on time. Fighting against what? Fighting for what? Fighting to keep my door shut. Oh, the storm calls my name. One part of me, this one, hears the voice. I am already found. Whether I am up or down, I am already found. Worthy, 100% worthy and in order now before you. A forgiven past lifts my feet to welcome the rising tomorrow, stepping into a future already found. I am worthy of lift as is. I am worthy of life. Mind speaks from this heart. Search. What would I do if I knew I am 100% worthy, worthy and in order before you to be small enough to hold one day. Inside this grand container, to be aware from head to toe, aware I am worthy of it all. And all is well before me now. Right now is all I know. All is well with heaven and hell. The soul that holds my lost and found. 100% worthy of each chapter. Keep my step short enough. This breath deep enough. One touch long enough. One life small enough. 100% of me. Free. Thank you. That was gorgeous. Thank you. Just a really, really gorgeous poem. Thank you, Patricia. Oh, thank you, Patricia. Thank you.
Thank you, Patricia. You read that so well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very moving. Grateful you shared that with us, Patricia. Thanks. I think the powerful part of the curriculum that rings through me every few minutes during this 24-hour day is that, again, the word again, because that's what keeps this going, is with every breath. That's what kept me, got me from that field into a new life. It wasn't one awareness of the calm in the cheek and that spirit could move me if this is its will. It was every breath again and again and again. And I'm an addicted part of this group. I do it 24-7. I can't do anything more until I do that. So I confess, I love the word again and again. And I've got poems there. I'll wait to share. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. That is so sweet. Thank you. Hi, it's Lana again. Um, when you were sharing, Lee, about hallucinations, uh, it brought to mind um, an experience I had with my mother way back when, um, and I shared before that she had schizophrenia, and she also had brain damage because of um, her alcoholism. So one time, uh, this one time she was um, in the hospital suffering from jaundice. Um, She looked completely yellow and her liver was failing. And um, what she saw with her physical eyes also had a tinge of yellow. People looked yellow. Everything had this yellow cast on it. Um, so I was, but the hallucinations that she was having of other people being there, they weren't affected by the jaundice. So I, I found myself in the position of having to explain to her that the yellow people were the real people and the people that looked normal weren't there. You know, and it's, it, obviously it was very confusing for her. It was confusing to me, uh, and I and I felt like uh, that uh, that experience of that lesson. I'm seeing something that isn't there, and and whether you call it illusions or hallucinations, so much of my sight um, is about um, 
my in, more about my interpretations of what is there um, because uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, the ego system, well, most of but not all the time, is a, is a thought system of confusion. And it, it seeks to get me to the point of confusion so deeply that I will actually believe that my interpretation of a situation or a person or anything I see is is correct and and when when I do that uh, it creates a belief in it and the belief in it creates a or makes a false reality that I come to believe and and I felt you know pretty much like holy spirit for her because I was trying to show her um, you know what was the difference between vision and hallucination and uh, and she would return to that place where she could make a distinction between the two I gave her a reference point uh, uh, in that the yellow people were the real people and it's it to me it just demonstrated the madness of the ego thought system and how it seeks to confuse us to the point where we don't know what anything means which in fact is a thought that um, brings me comfort sometimes I don't have to judge this how can I judge this if I don't know what anything means and and it brings me to the point where I can let go of it and ask God to show me the truth of it because that's the only way I can return sanity to my mind um, it's uh, it's very convincing and when I'm aligned with the ego system um, it has its own brand of logic that makes sense with me and then when I'm aligned with my truth in God that divine logic just totally blows away any logic that the ego would try to offer me um, it's it's so um, amazing how when I'm aligned with my truth everything is so clear and certain and peaceful and when I allow myself to be controlled by the ego thought system in through its eyes it would tell me that that's logical too <laughs> you know so it's it's really coming to that beautiful place of I don't know what the heck anything is for you know show me the truth of this show me what is real what show me what you would have me see God because I seek only to remember you so um, anyhow that just came to mind and um, it helps me to make that distinction between reality and unreality so it's not what I'm looking at but how I'm looking at it how I'm perceiving it so thank you for listening thank you for that Lana thank that was you, great Lana. thank you thank you Lana I love thank that story you, it's so helpful mm. Hi, this is Ida. Good morning. Um, I really like um, that last paragraph, number 77, so much that I'm going to read it again. 
When you have looked on what seemed terrifying and seen it change to sights of loveliness and peace, when you have looked on scenes of violence and death and watched them change to quiet views of gardens under open skies with clear, life-giving water running happily beside them in dancing brooks that never waste away, who need persuade you to accept the gift of vision? And after vision, who is there who could refuse what must come after? Think but an instant just on this. You can behold the holiness God gave his son. And never need you think that there is something else for you to see. Thank you. It's beautifully read. Thanks for that gift, Ida. Oh, God. Thank you, Ida. I'm so happy to see this section. Um, I've had experiences with hallucinations of what the people in mental health actually call hallucinations. Um, And sometimes I think when I'm seeing beings, you know, sort of not as as, uh, whole as I would see myself or my partner, but sort of like a shadow moving through my apartment and um, things like that. I think they're real and I think they're from, I think they had been to, um, from another dimension that I'm opening up my third eye and stuff like that. But the beings that I saw did not try to hurt me in any way, did not even try to uh, actually approach me it's like they were going through, but they, but they weren't, much like they weren't cognizant of me, right? So that would jive with the idea that it was another dimension, um, which makes sense according to what I've heard in science. But with all that aside, um, I've seen things like, um, I've seen like a magazine, uh, uh, front cover of a magazine from, you know, 20 feet away or something and thought it was a completely different magazine that said something else on the front cover than when I saw it up close and things like that. And um, so when he says hallucinations disappear when they are recognized for what they are, he's talking specifically about the ego hallucinations that make everything look bad and evil and, and scary you know, like what's on the news every night. <laughs> so, my goodness, when my partner says, I'm going to watch the news to find out what's going on, and I say, you think you'll find anything new? I mean, after all, they do call it the news, and do you think you'll find anything good? But I, then I don't, I don't fight with him about that. I just have to have a little bit, I have my say on the subject, but um but yeah so when i read this part about <clears throat> vision is the means by which the holy spirit translates your nightmares into happy dreams 
to you know and goes on there and there until you know the fearful outcomes of imagined sin into the common reassuring sight with which he would replace them and then the the brainy part of me says you mean those those um nasty things that I saw would turn into like completely other things and those people would com- turn into completely other people but when my my true self wants to say it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it's the same people or the same park or the same whatever if it looks if it looked terrifying a minute before and it looks beautiful this minute who cares the beauty and the love and the, the, the truth is what's important. Wow. Thanks. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Ida. I, um, I just... Good morning. It's Jude. I, I, I'm glad I joined you. I... I didn't think I would be able to, but um, I hurried through my morning and came. <laughs> and it's good to hear your voices. I um, am taken by how many times the word given is is in this reading today. And I haven't counted them, but it seems like about 20. You know, that vision is given, that our identity is given. To be free of misery is given. To learn of joy is given, and uh, you know all these, all these um, to be released from misery, and you know that I can see the face of Christ. I can know my reality as the Son of God is given to me, and all I have to do is ask. But I have to desire it and want it more than every anything, and then I'll be able to see everyone as spirit, and see the altar to my Father, holy as heaven, glowing with radiant purity and sparkling with the shiny lilies that I laid upon it because of my desire to see my brother sinless. And the importance of the willingness to give up judgment, to see my brother not as a body, to see myself not as a body, not to see myself as what I would make of myself what we made of each other, of the belief in the self as a body. And that that, um, judgment, the judgment of myself, that I am a body, that I am weak and vulnerable, and, and the fear that it instills in me and believing, falsely believing in this mistaken misappraisal of myself that it's wrong, it's false, it's not true. And that's, that's what is the vain imagination that I have going. That is the vain, self-centered hallucination of who I think I am. That is the eyes through which judgment sees the world and perceives the world as an environment that the body thinks it exists and lives in. And it's the totality of that perception that brings the world to me as as a power greater than me 
that makes me afraid and feel small and little. And this mistaken self, sense of self-appraisal, instead of being the limitless, boundaryless, seamless, unicity, joined in unicity with everything that I see, that nothing outside of me, there's nothing outside of me, that it's all within the one-mindedness that I share with everything in awareness, the awareness of being one with God, that holy, holiest of holy perceptions, that everything is included in it. And everything that I see through the eyes of perception, when I do see through my eyes, my body's eyes, will be misinterpreted, can be misinterpreted, unless I remember who I am. That for the vision wouldn't be necessary had judgment, the judgment not been made, that perception had not be, be met, been made. So desire now is whole undoing, but I have to want to have it all be undone. I have to want not to judge anything I see. The importance of the universal application of this, that I don't know the, the meaning of anything I see, is prior to me relinquishing the judgment of it. Because if I think I know what it means, then I've already judged it and assigned it a hierarchical value in my egoic thinking mind. Something's better than another. Something's more special than another. I want this like this more than another. All these kinds of intimate, subtle judgments that the mind can make with every single decision, every single thought that I have throughout the day. And the, the, the total, total, I don't know what anything means. I don't know, you know, why anybody is doing anything, including myself. You know, that complete kind of surrender to a willingness and a desire to be shown. What does this mean? What does this sound lending me, leading me into to hear? What is, it, what is it I'm seeing that's trying to teach me what I need to see? What do I need to see? What do I need to hear? That I don't know, that I'm ultimately absolutely teachable every moment of the day. And... You know, it's such a, it's such a, um, an open-heartedness and open-mindedness that um, completely empties me of me, the Judy me. You know that um, I'm just like nothing <laughs> in willingness to accept everything as myself and welcome it and love it, and um, so. That word hallucinating, you know, it's, it goes with, with other expressions the Course uses it. I have a vain imagination of myself as being a body and that I would make myself into something else, that, some, that something else, really something, that I'm not a thing. I am not a thing, and neither is anything else, that we're all one. And it's not a thing, it's spirit. It's spirit and it's beauty and it's mystery and it's fluidity, constant motion and movement. 
and the flow of it and the expression and the song of it, the harmony of it. It takes my breath away. And with that, I'll be still. <laughs> Love you all. Thank you so much for being. Beautiful, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. And thank you, Judy. Lori. Oh, thank you. Thank you for thank you for calling on me. Um, what a beautiful section today. And the truth of it is just scattered throughout this work. He says it in so many different ways. And, um, and and I was looking at this Saturday, and the question came into my mind: What is, where is vision born? Where where is the vision of Christ born? I mean, I I know that in my heart. I I feel it all the time, but I wanted to be able to uh, say it. And for me, uh, the vision of Christ is born in the holy instant. That holy instant where uh, truth is restored to my mind and the communication of loving awareness from the Father to me is received and welcomed. Um, that's probably as good a definition of atonement as any. Um, it speaks to my heart. And so he says it back in chapter 6 that the Holy Spirit looks on you as never having changed from the guiltless, sinless perfection in which you were created. He looks on my innocence and restores that to my heart mind. But the thing about the holy instant, um, and I discovered this probably the hard way, that the holy instant is always there. It never, ever, ever changes. Its awareness um, can instantly be brought to mind most completely and most beautifully when I share it. And when I share that awareness, um, it comes to life. Life is restored to me. And for the longest time after my mother died, I, I bet you I just get tired of that same old song and dance, but for the longest time I, I felt that love was absent um, because I was a little bit angry. I was quite a bit angry. Um, and I didn't want to accept the idea that love could be lost. But here's the thing. Love can never be lost. He put it everywhere in creation. I thought I saw something else, but in this work, he says, perception has never been. Think about that. Perception has never been. The idea that I fill in the blank and assign meaning to what I see and call it what it is has never been 
the truth of the holy instant is always there. It's always there. And that's why I love today's lesson. I noticed particularly the words thank you. We recognize our safety and give thanks for all the gifts you have bestowed on us. Thank you, Father, for all the gifts, for all the loving help we have received. Thank you for all the help, for your eternal patience, waiting for me to get my mind right so I can receive your gifts. And for the word of atonement, which you have given us, that we are saved. The atonement is a statement, it's a fact of inclusiveness. And every miracle in which I've ever been allowed to participate, it's been a miracle of inclusiveness that restored the truth of oneness to my mind. So in particular, I wanted to say two things. Judgment will always separate me from myself. And what is myself but the awareness of the oneness that we share? Judgment will always cause me to lose the awareness of the holy instant. The memory of God returns instantly when I share holiness. When I realize that the holiness that God created could never, ever, ever be interrupted or broken. And when I think of what I know about the spirit of this one, I'm returned to that loving awareness. I thought about it Sunday again. Kathy and I have game day on Sunday where we just play. And um, it was so sweet just um, playing <laughs> you know when we play we make no judgments uh, we share vision is nothing magical I, I thought for the longest time it seemed elusive but vision is nothing more than the relinquishment of judgment so that the truth of the holy instance, the truth of unity, the truth of our oneness, the truth of the love of God that we share can be brought back to my awareness. He says way back in chapter 5, the healer's prayer is let me know this brother as I know myself the birthplace of vision is when I let the Holy Spirit tell me the truth of me the practice of vision is when I remember the truth that we both share it's nothing special nothing special at all it's the privilege of the forgiven to forgive he says in the principles of miracles not the duty, not the obligation, but the privilege. When I remember the release in the holy instant, it's my joy to share that release. And to me, that's Christ's vision. 
It's not special. Not special at all. It's the way we teach the kingdom to the kingdom. The way we can remember the truth and receive that awareness in joy. Right here, right now. And again, right here, right now. <laughs> Nothing ever happened to disturb the peace of God the Father and the God the Son. We cannot lose that memory. And we can keep it ever present in our awareness by sharing it. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie. Wonderful, Laurie. Laurie. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie. That was beautiful, Laurie. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie, so much. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice is in the text a number of times today, and you express express it so beautifully, Lori, when you say, let us restore the kingdom to the kingdom. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Lee, I think your um, I, th- I think your speech got a little garbled to me. Well, I, th- I think you're asking me if I have points to. Um, I'm sorry. Well, you know what? I just want to share this quote, and maybe, maybe that's it. Um, from chapter 11 in the Vision of Christ, that section ends with this. What is one cannot be perceived as separate. And the denial of the separation, the denial of the separation is the reinstatement of knowledge. At the altar of God, the holy perception of God's Son becomes so enlightened that light streams into it, and the Spirit of God's Son shines in the mind of the Father and becomes one with it. Very gently does God shine upon himself, loving the extension of himself, which is his Son. The world has no purpose as it blends into the purpose of God, for the real world has slipped quietly into heaven, where everything eternal in it has always been. There the Redeemer and the redeemed join in perfect love of God and of each other. Heaven is your home, and being in God, it must also be in you. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for another beautiful call. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, everyone. Wonderful selection. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lee. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody.
Yeah, beautiful call. All right, my friends.